Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Kevin, I know three certainties this morning other than the fact that it is Thursday, December 22nd at 7 a.m. and 23 seconds. I know three certainties. Okay. I'm ready. The first, this is our final program before the Christmas holiday. So Merry Christmas to you, Mark, and everyone out there. Same to you and all of our listeners. Safe travels. Number one. That parlays to number two, which is that's if we get to Christmas because Winter Death Storm 2022 is upon us and the local TV stations are dispatching people off vacation because we all, despite having phones, despite having graphics, despite having social media, despite having um, radar, we all need local news people to tell us and walk us through four to six inches of snow and windy conditions that are going to make life difficult until Saturday, right? That's certainly number two. I'm picturing how many times my mother has watched the local weather over the last 72 (laughs) hours. You think she has them memorized by now? Yes. I've only seen two minutes of Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) This weather report's taking forever. That's double box now. They do the double box. (laughs) Do they? See, I don't know. And certainty number three, Tyrese Halliburton is really good. Holy man. And Wally Zerbiak had to make an apology. Tyrese Halliburton is really, really good. Um... Jake, you know, to be a point guard in the NBA and have this just incredible ability to distribute like no one else in the league, I believe he still leads the NBA in assists, and yet be the night-in, night-out, leading scoring catalyst, knowing when to, again, facilitate, knowing when to take the shot, and to do it at the age of 21, and to do it when you weren't some five-star recruit, you weren't even the lead guy necessarily at Iowa State. Certainly weren't the lead guy in Sacramento. And to have come here and have only been here for less than a year, he's a special, special talent. Obviously, my affinity for Benedict Matherin is well-documented. Halliburton Jake is what an awesome, awesome leader for this franchise moving forward. I thought his composure with Jeremiah Johnson postgame was outstanding. And you bring up the Zerbiak comment. I mean, think about that. That's probably the first time. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's probably the first time like Tyrese Halliburton has really been, I don't know, called out in a national sense. Right. I mean, for those that are unfamiliar, Wally Zerbiak, the former Miami, Ohio, and predominantly Minnesota Timberwolf, but NBA player, uh, who does color analysis for the New York Knicks, called him a wannabe all-star and said that he's not a... And he was trying to pump up Knicks players, but he, Julius Randle and Brunson notably, but... Um, he disparaged Halliburton's all-star candidacy and then later had to backtrack. But go ahead. So all of that happens in the last, you know, whatever, 48 hours, and then that's how Halliburton responds to that. Good point, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just another step of, like, the bullseye's on me. Watch how I will react to that. Uh, great win. Great win last night for the Pacers. 117-112. It was a bit of holding on for dear life. I'm thinking, am I watching the Minnesota Vikings-Colts game all over again? How about 
Jason the Tatum hits a three and gets fouled, and then they're like, no, on no, the wave it foul. off. <laughs> wave it's a five-point game at that point, point, you're like, oh my gosh, he just got a four-point play. Yeah, Jason Tatum, by the way, is the MVP, in case anyone was wondering through the first 30-some games of the season. 41 last night, but again, great win for Indiana, 16-16 and 16 on the year. They now, uh, I think they get the nice schedule draw here. They go to Miami. But that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Right. Miami, Friday night, 8 o'clock tip. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton, Purdue head football coach Ryan Walters, going to join us at 9 o'clock, National Signing Day yesterday. So looking forward to catching up with the new, or I guess talking for the first time, the new head football coach of the Boilers. Um, and in all seriousness, safe, safe travels to everybody out there uh, throughout the rest of this week, over the weekend as well. You know, based off what I have seen, it sounds like the afternoon commute, you know, could be a little bit dicey into tonight, possibly even tomorrow morning. So, um, you know, I said it around Thanksgiving, Jake. I just feel like the older you get, the more appreciative you are of time with your family. Um, so, safe travels to everybody out there. So, my understanding, by the way, my understanding is that tonight probably around late afternoon or dinner time, like right around when it gets dark. The snow will begin. We could get somewhere in the four to six inches of snow range that will fall between now and midday uh, tomorrow. But the wind is what's going to be bad, and the temperature is going to be bad. But the temperatures, the snow will cease by tomorrow afternoon, and the, the winds will die down by Saturday afternoon. And then it's supposed to be 55 degrees a week from today. I saw that. Yeah. Can we play golf next week? Yeah, I mean, so plug through. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Easiest way to say it. Uh, Thursday night football tonight, Jags and Jets. As we've mentioned before, the Colts can be officially eliminated from the playoffs tonight. Uh, it will be Nick Foles on Monday night football against Justin Herbert. The Colts make the... It's been a nice game of musical chairs, if nothing else, on the quarterback depth chart for the Colts this season. Uh, it's something I've been calling for for a few weeks now. Again, a huge financial component to it and making sure that Matt Ryan does not play uh, keeps you away from a $17 million guarantee that you would owe him for 2023. Um, so it'll be Nick Foles under center here on Monday Night Football. We can get into that today. Uh, one pro bowler for the Colts. Announced last night, Quentin Nelson. I was surprised by that. You? I was not. You know, yesterday, I think I mentioned Nelson, Buckner, Gilmore, kind of in that order of the veterans. I'm very torn on the Pro Bowl. Did you guys happen to see the Ron Rivera, Washington Commanders video? I did. Very emotional moment between Ron Rivera and several of his players, letting them know that they made the Pro Bowl. Uh, The Pro Bowl voting process has flaws. There's an element of a popularity contest that without question is there. It also means a whole lot to a lot of guys. I know a lot of people probably now look back on it and think, that's where the Colts season turned last year. Remember how emotional Kenny Moore was on Hard Knocks? Yeah. When he got to be a pro bowler? So it it means a whole lot to a lot of guys. Having said that, Quentin Nelson, based off his first four years in the NFL, I think it's just earned the reputation that when people start to vote for Pro Bowl. Like, imagine if you're a fan voting for the Pro Bowl and you are a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. You get to the guard position of the AFC and you're like, oh yeah, there's Quentin Nelson. He's big. He does pancakes. I'm voting for him. Right. 
I mean, that, sure. that's what it's come to with Nelson. Um, do I think his play has been horrific this year? No. Do I think his play has been a regression from the all-pro nature that we're used to? Definitely. I'm not going to pretend that I know the other guards in the AFC and how deserving he is. I will stand by this, Jake. I think Grover Stewart was a snub, um, and I was very disappointed to see Grover Stewart didn't even make the alternate list. The Colts had five alternates for the Pro Bowl, and Grover Stewart was not one of them. The five alternates, Jonathan Taylor, Yanni Ngakwe, DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, and Stephon Gilmore. The Grover Stewart, totally agree. A couple of things here. Quentin Nelson, I totally agree. It Quentin Nelson, to me, probably is like when I was a kid... The American League catcher in the All-Star game every year was Lance Parrish. Uh, Was he the best catcher or having the best season amongst catchers? I have no idea. I just know that when I voted and I did the little punch card at Riverfront Stadium that I put in the ballot box that I was led to believe was tallied. Um, I don't know if that was Dominion or not. Uh, um, Hell, we would probably do this in politics, Jake. Oh, yeah, I know that name. (laughs) Boom. Exactly. Honestly. And so... Quentin Nelson, you know, gu- how many guards can can the average person name? Exactly. He went to Notre Dame, and you know, he's he's this big. He's kind of like Santa Claus. He's he goes big, viral. This big jolly character with a big belly, you know. Okay, but Grover Stewart is the one that I really did feel bad for because he truly, I think, merited. I mean, he had a phenomenal year. He's done everything that's been asked of him. You know, he should have gotten a, a pat on the back. Think about his background too, Jake. Albany State. Similar to Kenny right. Moore from Valdosta State last year. Um, again, it matters to some of these guys. Um, Mark, I saw your Bears had the goose egg. Was that right yeah. on Pro Bowler? Mm-hmm. Bears and Jags? Is that it? I think that's right, yeah. Bears hey, and Jags how about with this? the goose egg on Pro Bowlers. This article from ESPN.com last night. Not Stephen Holder, by the way. This is from like a Wire report. But tell me if you find an inconsistency in this, Okay. Quote, Pro Bowl teams are determined by combining the votes of three groups, fans, players, and coaches. Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua uh, Tagovailoa received the most votes by fans, followed by Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, and Travis Kelsey. All five made their respective teams. Later in the article, the rosters for the Pro Bowl are set with Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa leading the league in votes from fans, but not making the roster. Well, wait a minute. It just said in the paragraph before he made So I'm confused. He did or didn't make it? He did not make it. Did not. To a lead in fan voting. So again, it's a third fan vote, a third player, a third coach. The three quarterbacks representing the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Now, admittedly, it feels like a huge snub that Tua didn't make it. I would agree. Until you look at the quarterbacks and you're like, well, who would you put him in over? I think I put him in over Burrow. Okay. Burrow, it's hard to argue that, although Burrow lately seems to be playing pretty well. Well, and it's also just a reminder, Jake, of welcome to the AFC for the next decade. Yeah. You're not kidding, man. Indy natives Terry McLaurin and Zach Martin both made the Pro Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles had eight Pro Bowlers. They had the most in the NFL. Um no Zach Eady last night, no problem for Purdue. They handled their business against New Orleans. Trey Kaufman ran a big night with 24 points off the bench. Zach Eady was under the weather. That's why he did not play. Um, 74-53. I, I think I have this right. I kind of forgot last year. 
did Purdue ever play at Mackey when they were ranked number one? No, that was the first time that Purdue has played in Mackey Arena as the number one team in the country. So nine o'clock tip, not ideal, but um, nice for their home fans that they got to experience that. They will not play until Florida A and M a week from tonight. You've got Butler at Creighton tonight. If you're looking for a little local action, along again with. Thursday night football and a news item from Bloomington yesterday, Xavier Johnson's surgery on his broken foot. I do find the phrasing, Jake, in press releases a bit head-scratching when the last sentence, he's going to be out indefinitely, was what IU Athletics said, and then the phrase of the last sentence is, we are hopeful he will return this season. I always find the word hopeful a bit odd like I mean Rosie is hopeful that she gets a pet pig for Christmas <laughs> you know like I, I'm hopeful to play Augusta National you next know, year I, I lived in college with a guy that had a pet pig and it was wonderful it was a well, pot-bellied pig no wonder things didn't last very long for old Jake <laughs> it was a pet pig and he had a litter box the pot-bellied pig and, and it, everything was great until the pig got the the width got too big for the litter box. Thus, the, the even though he was trained, are you body shaming the pig here? The, no, the, the but his target he, it was hard for it was difficult for the pig to hit the target. Despite hovering, the the litter box wasn't didn't have the width necessary for all encompassing clean purposes. And you were upset with me late in the show yesterday for using pucker. And now you're explaining the target of the pig. I'm just telling you. With the litter box. I'm just telling you. Potbelly pigs, wonderful pets. They're they're friendly. Uh, you know, they're, pigs are actually, contrary to popular belief, they're very clean. Uh, I like pigs. Pigs are cool. Bring, bring Rosie to Oinking Acres in Brownsburg. I, she would love that. Do it. She'd be very hopeful. Yeah. To go. Isn't hopeful kind of an odd word? Like, what does that mean? I mean, sure, yeah, you, you're hopeful he returns for the end of the year. To me, it gives me zero like clarity or zero, oh, they feel like there's a chance or whatever. So, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. Throw that gif out there. So, again, Xavier Johnson's surgery there. He's going to be out for some time, and we'll see if he returns this season. As we said, Ryan Walters, Purdue head football coach, going to join us at 9 o'clock, and Joel Erickson at 8. It was kind of a busy news item day. For the Colts yesterday, uh, Jake, I think I've made it pretty clear. I wanted Matt Ryan bench for several weeks. Again, a financial component to it. I don't think Nick Foles is going to come in here and all of a sudden go 3-0 and to end the year. I do think your offense could look a little bit more functional, which it wasn't, especially from a passing offense standpoint. I did have to laugh at a line Nick Foles said yesterday. Foles is a very intelligent human being. Uh, very close with Frank Reich. I think that's pretty well documented. And Foles had some line of like, especially here, you never know what's going to happen each week. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> I'm like, does, is there a phrase that, that... That almost sounds damning, does it not? Is there a sentence that sums up the 2022 Colts anymore? Right. I mean, Jeff Saturday yesterday had a press conference where for the third time in five weeks, he named a different starting quarterback. This was my reaction to Nick Foles being named the starter. Who was named the starter the last time that Matt Ryan was removed as the starting quarterback? Sam Ellinger. That move was made by all account by who? The owner of the Colts, Jim Irsay. And it was made for what reason? 
I believe because the offensive line play was poor at the time and Jim has always been intrigued by Sam, felt like Sam gave the team a better chance from a mobility standpoint to offset the poor offensive line play. And he played for how many games? Two games. 0-2, lost to Washington in a close game, and then... um, So Sam Ellinger got two games to show what he could do because the owner of the Colts felt that he gave them the best opportunity based on the way the line was playing to win games, and he did not win either. Now, would you say the line is remarkably improved from that period? It's gotten slightly better. That was kind of a disastrous time. Slightly better. Because, the bar was low. Because Sam Ellinger, by all account then, went from hand-picked starter for two games back to third string. Not back to backup, back to third string. If he was if, if he only lost if he was the backup and is considered by the owner or Jeff Saturday as the second best option in the quarterback room, he would be starting when Matt Ryan gets pulled. I know it's our job to make sense of all this. You can't. <laughs> you know, I like it, it's almost a waste Can of time. We pull that seven sixteen in forty five seconds. <laughs> Writing it down now. I know this is our job, and I apologize to all of our listeners out there, but you cannot make sense of any of this. Um You know, I I, I think the Colts were two, two and one at the time. So I mean, still early in the season, still in whatever AFC South race. That was there, and since then, I think the depth chart at quarterback has changed six times. And what, you've won two games over that span? It was you know, kind of crazy to talk to Nick Foles yesterday and be like, yep, uh, today will be the first time I've ever thrown to the starters in practice. I know it's our job to make sense of all of this, <laughs> but you can't. Uh, Nick Foles... What Jeff Saturday said yesterday was, again, Matt Ryan and the offense not making enough plays in the red zone. I think that's pretty obvious to a lot of us. The turnover numbers beyond alarming, and yet you're not offsetting that with any big plays. It'd be one thing if you were scoring points or you were throwing for 280, 300 yards. You're not doing any of that. Um, To your point, Jake, had they gone to Nick Foles and not Sam Ellinger back in mid-October... Are we talking about the Colts and the AFC South mix right now? Uh, yeah, quite frankly, I, they be, Nick Foles. They probably win the Washington game, right? Yeah, I kind of pointed to four games. You, you, I, I you, mean, you've been in Washington. You were in. I thought Ellinger played fine in that game, though. Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Minnesota. You know, if you win two of those four, not to act like Foles is going to come in here and be some, you know, he's going to get a statue next to Peyton. But if you win two of those four, all of a sudden we're looking at this Jacksonville Jets game tonight thinking, wow, this is monumental for the AFC South and the Colts standing within that. Uh, Matt Ryan has thrown his last pass for the Colts. Uh, Has he thrown his last pass in the NFL? You think he definitely has for the Colts? Boy, I guess to use the word that uh, you had in the Xavier Johnson press release, I hope he has. Rosie wants a pig. Um, Probably Peppa Pig, in all honesty. British Pig is Peppa. Rosie, big fan of Peppa. George Pig as well. George is Peppa's little brother. Do you know that I was like 35 years old before I had the epiphany that all farm animals are raised for one reason only? It's a little depressing. Um, Oh, horses. What's that? Horse. 
Not all farm animals. I guess the horses there to work, right? That's fair. Point. Thank you, Mark. Sheep dog. Okay. How about horse livestock? Boy, this is going to be a fun first break having Jake livestock? and Mark debate this one. <laughs> um, peacocks. There's baby peacocks at Oinking Acres. You, you just want to play the sound. No, That's I'm all. not going to play. only I'm reason why you're your strength this morning. It's good. New Christmas, new moon. Honestly, Colts fans should hope Matt Ryan retires, Jake. Yeah, I. It, it's hard to believe that there is someone... Listen, he's been a great player. He's seemingly a really good guy. I don't know Matt Ryan. Couldn't agree more. Seems like an unbelievable pro. Yeah. Unbelievable pro is the best way to say it. He's been nothing but a good soldier from the get-go from the time he got here. Um, But it's time. It's time for Tom Brady. You know, father time's undefeated, man. And I don't, I mean, I don't think you can compare Tom Brady to Matt Ryan. Agreed. Agreed. I'm just saying, in terms of quarterbacks that we have seen playing for a number of years, you know, it's probably time for Joe Flacco. I mean... I thought Matt Ryan's tone, you know, I asked him last week, have you thought about next year? I thought his tone to that answer sounded different than his tone during the offseason when everybody, I mean, Jim Mersey was saying, oh, yeah, he could be our guy for four years. Um, but, boy, credit to Matt Ryan's agent because he threw some guarantees on that 2023 contract. Maybe his agent knew something. <laughs> Maybe his agent knew, hey, his play in 2022 is not going to look good. Let's make sure uh, we uh, – Expose the Colts for being how desperate they are right now. A quarterback gets some guarantees on that 2023 contract right now, which they have. I think it's $12 million already guaranteed for Ryan for next season uh, because I don't foresee this going very well. You know, it's fascinating that on this, the day when typically the sports schedule starts to slow down heading into the holiday a little bit, I, it's as busy a topical day as we've had in a while. I agree. I mean, there's a lot to talk about this A morning. ton. Obviously, we'll get a lot more into the Pacers and their big win last night. I thought two guys that really stood out to me, non-Tyrese Halliburton division from Indiana last night. You know, it had to be a game that Aaron Neesmith circles on the calendar, considering he got traded from there in the offseason, and he has 15-6. and six. He's a guy that over the last couple of weeks, he's been huge. Turned into a nice piece for them, hadn't he? Huge. And now, again, you start talking about the pieces to the puzzle and all of that, and I felt like last night, Jake, when things were reeling, because I think anybody that watched that game, I mean, hell, you just needed to listen to Chris and Quinn. Like, when Boston would cut it to 14, you felt like it was a tie game. Right. It had that feel. I mean, Boston had lost four or five. Like I mean, the, there was a little bit of an edge at the inside of that building, certainly how they played in the third quarter. And the guy that answered numerous times for Indiana, Chris Duarte. It, it felt like a game that if it had gone three minutes longer, the Pacers were not going to win it, right? Yeah. Duarte, really big. I thought the bench in general, you got some good production from that group. But the thing about Neesmith that I just didn't realize this, like I, I watched him occasionally at Vanderbilt. Great athlete, got a nice shooting stroke. He hustles his ass off. He's a very good defender. Yeah. And Boston got a lot of loose balls last night in that comeback. But Neesmith seemed to be the consistent one in keeping some plays alive, which was really, really important. But, I mean, I'll go back to Halliburton. He is a special talent. Kevin on the upswing today as the Pacers won. So That's right. Been a little more positive yeah, today. Um, he's, he's hopeful. Carlton he's texted me last night. Let me see the exact phrase that he used. 14 left, brother, and it's Ivy League. <laughs> I said dreams into reality, Max. Your lips. Now, Aaron Neesmith, 
Where did he go to high school? High school, I got he no was, idea. He went to Vandy, right? He was a one and done in Vandy, right? I think he's from... Was it one? I thought it might have been two. Uh, you, no, you're right. It was more than one. I thought he was one and done at Vanderbilt. 14th overall pick. I wouldn't want to leave Vanderbilt early. He might have been... Was he one of those that went to a couple different high schools because he went to like academy, you know, the academy type thing? Uh, here we go. He Okay. I've got the name of his high school, Porter God School in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, are we to assume that he's the most famous graduate of his high school? You're telling me he's lived in Charleston and Nashville? Yeah, it's... Gosh. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? The the reason I mention it, I, every time I go to an NBA game, I, I look around on the floor, and I'm like, a guy like Aaron Neesmith, you know, who's still trying to kind of find his way in the league, and I'm like, every player on this floor is the greatest player in the history of their high school. Right, like every player in the NBA is the biggest. Like there's still people at Porter God High School. They're like, you know, I mean, I went to high school with Aaron Neesmith. You know, I'm looking right now at his list of high school. Chris Middleton, remember Chris Middleton? Remember the dude for the Bucks? Yeah. Oh yeah, great player. Same high school. Wow, they're a factory. You know, it's just three hours and twenty four minutes from Porter God School. Bucky's due west. <laughs> it's due, so it's actually due south of, of yeah, due west, it's right? Due north. Uh, Stephen Colbert also Are we still same on high school. <laughs> Stephen Colbert went to the same high school. And how about this? John Busey, who's the president of the American Diabetes Association. I don't know if you know Wilford Brimley. Brimley. <laughs> yeah, Pat, I, I would probably play Sam Ellinger right now, but at the very least, what you've gotten in benching Matt Ryan is you have potentially saved yourself $17 million for next year. And Jake, I was looking this up yesterday. Von Miller was the, I believe, the only free agent that made over $17 million last year. So if you take that money and you throw it at a player next offseason, you're potentially saying any free agent we can go after now. And if you would have played Matt Ryan and he gotten hurt and he didn't pass the physical, that's $17 million gone. So to me, that's the most important aspect. I understand there's some people out there that are like, oh my God, if Nick Foles comes in here and wins two games, I'm going to be so pissed. But <laughs> It does make you wonder, right? $17 million for next year, considering the amount of support you need to go out and find for the future at quarterback, I think is a really important dollar amount. For the Colts. One of the topics we will inevitably discuss with Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star is going to join us in 35 minutes to talk about the Colts. Ryan Walters, new head football coach of the Blue Boilermakers at 9 o'clock on this. The final show before the Christmas holiday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Boy, you talk about prompt. Head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, Ryan Walters, fresh off his first, I don't even know if you really call it his first national signing day, but nonetheless, Purdue signed some guys yesterday, and he was on it. 8.58, rolled around, Ryan Walters giving us a call, and we hear from the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers for the first time here on Kevin and Query. Coach Walters, congratulations, and thanks for the time. Well, thank you so much, man. I'm happy to be here. I want to begin with this, Coach. Uh, you know, obviously, congratulations on landing 
the position at Purdue. Purdue did, you know, they clearly they honed in on you very early because it was a quick transition once the coaching vacancy happened. But for you personally, getting the opportunity now in terms of the head coaching position for the first time, you know, you've been at Illinois, you've been at Missouri, you've been at North Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, a, a number of places, but how advantageous is it for you for your first head coaching opportunity to be in a league where you already were and have familiarity? And was that something that you kind of targeted in on when exploring your first options as a head coach? Yeah, you know, I feel extremely blessed. I mean, this is this is incredible, right? Like you said, I got um, familiarity within the conference, especially on this side of it. Um, and then it just kind of happened, like you said, really, really quickly. So um, I knew I had to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, you know, you talk about a team that has just played in the, the Big Ten Championship. Um, so it's not a rebuild. You know, we're trying to raise the standard and elevate the program. Um, and so for for my first time, my first opportunity, I feel extremely blessed. You know, there's alignment within the, the president, the AD, the athletic department. Um, and, and you know, the, the city of West Lafayette is just an awesome place. So, you know, I feel like a, a 16-year-old that got the keys to the Lamborghini. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Um, I'm extremely blessed, extremely humbled, and, and you know we're, we're diving in and getting to work right now. He is Ryan Walters, the new head football coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. Coach, how would you describe your on-field coaching style? You know, I'm poised, uh, even kill, uh, competitive, uh, but you know, you're always gathering information on the field, um, especially game days, uh, so you can't be too high, too low. Um, you know, let the, let the kids go play, have fun, and, and try to give them as much tools as possible to have success. You know, I remember when this process first developed and Jeff Brown took the job in Louisville, and, and you're obviously thinking, okay, what, what does Purdue need to be looking for? In Purdue history, you think about quarterbacks, you think about the offensive, um, you know, really entertaining product that Purdue's had for several decades. And when I saw you were hired, that was one of my first questions. I'm thinking, oh boy, defensive-minded coaches, and, and I was totally wrong on this, can be, can be a little bit archaic in a way in how they think about it. And then all of a sudden, I listened to your press conference, and you had an unbelievable grasp, and maybe it's your quarterback background, of like, no, no, no. I know what wins offensively in today's college football and what we need. The hire of Graham Harrell, coming from that Mike Leach coaching tree, I think follows it. Um, Purdue fans should expect very similar offensive uh, philosophy to what they're used to, correct? Absolutely. You know, it's, again, like there's that misnomer, right? And, 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 you know, to, to everybody's credit, um, you know, in the past, head, defensive head coaches have wanted to play the game a certain way. Uh, but I think about the game from a quarterback's perspective. Um, I understand that that's the most important position in sports period. And so our defense are trying to affect them, and offensively we're trying to let him thrive. Uh, so it was important for me to hire a guy like Graham Harrell uh, that would attract quarterbacks, would attract offensive uh, skilled players. Um, you know, because I'm, you know, I want I want to win games by a lot. I don't want to win games nine to six. That's not that's not fun, right? So, um, you know, I think hiring Graham has been awesome, and, and we have had a lot of interest from some high, you know, profile quarterbacks, and hopefully we'll get one here soon. Did you? I know that you were, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Coach Ryan Walters, the new Purdue head football coach, is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I know that you were at North Texas, I think, as a position coach around the same time that I believe Graham Harrell came there uh, as an offensive coach. Did you guys cross paths, or is this the first time that you will actually have worked in the same building together? Yeah, well, I, was, I missed Graham by a couple of years at, uh, at North Texas. 
Um, but, you know, I played against them in college, and we have uh, friends in the same circles that we just never had crossed paths. So I'd known about Graham. I had, had admired his sort of uh, early rise uh, to, to success. You know, we, we think alike. We think about the game alike. Um, and he's a great dude, and, and we, I can't wait to work with him. You know, you entered college at the University of Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, Coach, as an offensive player. And then over the yep. over the course of your time as a Buffalo, you transitioned to a defensive player. So you you know you took advantage of an opportunity perhaps that was laid out for you. How did that you know going in and having to play a position that was different than what you originally thought, having to have maybe the humility to know what was best for the team versus what you anticipated for yourself. How has that molded you as a coach and a connection to young people? Yeah, you know, so obviously I grew up playing quarterback. Um, when I got there, there was like a 26-year-old junior named Joel Klatt who was <laughs> who was uh, playing quarterback. And, you know, I knew that in order for me to play, that I needed to switch positions right away, right? So um, I thought of myself as a football player first. Um, I thought I could play multiple positions, and I just wanted to do what I what I could to help the team. And so I approached, you know, Coach Barnett, and, and you know, brought up the idea. We tried it for a couple of weeks, and um, you know, the rest is, is history there. So um, what, it, what it did teach me to, you know, just get put my head down and go to work in difficult times. And change can be difficult, not because it's good or bad, just because it's different, right? So um, that's that's taught me how to connect and. I help help guys through adverse moments as well. He is Ryan Walters. He's the head football coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. He joins us here on Kevin and Query. Coach, what's been the craziest thing that's come across your desk in the last week that you thought, oh, wow, I now have to deal with this as the head coach? You know, it's, there's a, I can't, I mean, there's a multiple, multiple times. Um, you know, I haven't really sat down and thought about the football. You know, it's been all off the field stuff. Um, you know, luckily for me, um, the AD, uh, Mike Babinski and the, the deputy AD, Tiffany Grimes, have been awesome um, in terms of uh, letting me know where things, where holes are in the program and, and what we can do to uh, to fix those. Um, and, and we're hitting the ground running and, and attacking those issues right now. Obviously, one of the first items I think a lot of Purdue fans notice when you were hired is your age, um, 36 years old. Uh, pros, cons, how do you view yourself as one of the youngest head coaches in college football? Advantages and maybe, you know, some question marks that are there. Yeah, you know, so for me, I think one of the one of the reasons that uh, Purdue felt comfortable and, and believed in uh, me as a first-time head coach is because, you know, with today's landscape, you know, everybody is experiencing this for the first time. Um, you know, so if I'm, if I'm a head coach and I've been doing this for 20 years, you know, that's, that could be difficult to change with the times. You know, just like any company, when policy gets changed, but you've been there for 20 years, that change can be difficult, and you can you can fight that change. Where, as I'm coming in at the forefront of this deal, like I'm embracing this opportunity. Like you talk about NIL, you talk about transfer portal, and I'm not I'm not afraid of those changes. I'm I'm looking at those as opportunities. So I think that from that aspect, like I'm probably the best guy for the job. Um, it's not, not my lack of experience. That's a, that's a detriment to me. That's a benefit because of the changing times. You know, the transfer portal to me, coach Ryan Walters is our guest. The transfer portal to me is fascinating because it's a relatively new phenomenon that gets bigger each year as a coach. 
is the transfer portal, do you look at the transfer portal as an avenue in which you can accentuate your roster, or is the transfer portal more important in terms of making sure that you don't have guys entering it? Like which, In other words, the transfer portal, do you see it as an entry or an exit? You know, I think it's both, right? Um, you know, there are, you know, from a player's perspective, it, it, it gives you freedom because, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the right place, you know? You like to, you got to figure out for yourself, like, where can I go play? Uh, where, where can I thrive in an environment? And then from a, a coach's perspective, it's, yeah, it's, okay, we're, we're short on numbers in this class at this position. Now we can go to the transfer portal and, and find somebody that's with experience and we can get a, a, a more accurate evaluation than we can maybe a high school guy. Can Ryan Walt? Sorry, Coach. Yeah. Also, I think it's beneficial for both sides. He's Ryan Walters, head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, and he's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. It's a week, I think a week from Monday, uh, the bowl game for Purdue down in the Citrus Bowl. On that staff will be Drew Brees. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that, um, you know, arguably the best player in program history wanted to come back and help you guys out during a time where your team's got, you know, kind of a skeleton coaching staff for the bowl game? Yeah, I was ecstatic, dude. I mean, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up playing quarterback. And um, when when Drew was, when I was in high school, Drew was in college. Um, it's, it's funny because I was actually back home in, in Los Angeles um, during the winter break. Um, went to Disneyland with, with my family, and, and Drew is, is doing a parade there for the Rose Bowl. And I'm like, dude, that's Drew Brees, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come full circle. And now he's on the staff. And you talk about an unbelievable guy. Uh, he is always on, you know, passionate about the program. Um, just his personality, his his energy, it's just no secret why he's had this, the amount of success he's had. Are you pretty happy with the cupboard that Jeff Brom left behind? I am. Like, there's, you know, Jeff, he had a lot of stuff, and I appreciate his leadership and the success that he, he has had there. Um, you know, I've been able to go out and watch practice, and, you know, I mean, sure, like, like, there's a reason why they, they played in the Big Ten Championship this year. Is he... Look, I think everybody understands, Coach, why Jeff Brom left, right? It's no indictment on Purdue. I mean, home is home, and it's, I think he said it very well. Purdue will always be home, but Louisville is a way of life for me. So clearly it was a good relationship, seemingly, between the two when he left. Has he left any sort of – have you had any conversation with him? Or is he – you know, he's not in conference, so could you le- could you reach out to him and say, hey, you know, tell me about this guy or that guy? Or how does that work in coaching relationships? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I think both of us are, are really, really busy right now when, you, when you're walking into the building. Um, but I, I do definitely want to reach out to him just to not, – not necessarily talk about the roster, but, but just talk about the lay of the land and, um, you know, what, what he thought were, were some of the – reasons why they had success here coach where do you think um nil wise purdue is at within the big 10 uh, i think it's competitive you know like i said uh, you know mike and, and tiffany they're they're rock stars and uh, they understand what what the landscape is now and and you know what what kind of resources we're going to need to to be competitive in this conference when you go into recruits home um how quickly is nil brought up not nearly as quickly as you probably might think. Uh, sometimes not at all. You know, um, you know, th- there have been talks with transfer portal guys. Um, you know that are that are being offered by other programs, and and so you just got to you know you got to got to adapt and adjust to it. But um, it doesn't get brought up nearly as much as you think. By definition, coach, 
A boilermaker, and I'm going with Wikipedia, which we know is all-knowing. Oh, a boilermaker is a trade person who fabricates steel, iron, or copper iron into boilers and other large containers intended to hold gas as a liquid. As a football coach, when you look at your football program and a kid comes in, if he wants to play at Purdue, what is the Ryan Walters definition of a boilermaker? You know, someone that loves the game of football, um, that that is uh, has selfless and has no ego, um, and willing to do whatever it takes for the team, um, and, and someone that puts their head down and, and goes to work. I think it's well known of your relationship, Coach, at least as a youngster. Uh, you know, a lot's been made of this, and sometimes we hear these things, and then you ask the person, and they go, "Yeah, it's kind of been blown out bigger." Uh, what is your relationship? Certainly, when you were young, you were your babysitter was Eric Bieniemy, right? I mean, does that mean like one time he watched you, or like you had a regular familial relationship with him? No, we had a regular relationship. You know, him and my dad played together. Um, you know, so I, I was, he was around all the time. Um, you know, we we don't see each other as much now, just with the schedules. Uh, but we do keep in contact. Um, you know, I'll, I'll send him a text after a game. He'll, he'll do the same. Um, you know, always bouncing ideas off each other. Um, there were a couple times we almost worked on the same staff. So um, definitely, definitely uh, have a lot of respect for him and, and the way he's gone about this, his business. And, um, and it was it was fun to be around him. You know, as a as a youngster. You know, it's interesting with him, coach, because he you know he's one of the most respected assistant coaches in the National Football League and his name for years he's almost become the poster child of guys that for whatever reason have never made the final step into becoming a head coach in the NFL despite theoretically interest in him doing so what do you believe is the reason that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten that chance um you know I don't I don't know um I know that that he's also been really selective like he's he's got a great job right now you know being an offense coordinator with Patrick Mahomes is your, yeah. your quarterback. Pretty good gig, right? Um, yeah, and he's got definitely he's got uh, familiarity and a comfort level with Andy Reid, right? So um, I know some jobs that he, he has been um, mentioned for, he, he hasn't been interested in, you know. Um, and, but I also know that there are other jobs that he was and, and he didn't get. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I'm not sitting in the interview. Um, you know, I'm not the I'm not the owners. Um, but I, I definitely think that he, he is deserving I think his uh, track record and resume speaks for itself. And, you know, his relationship with players uh, speaks for themselves as well. The defensive resume is wildly impressive. And I think the offensive comments you hear from Ryan Walters, you got to like if you're a Purdue fan, considering what that program is known for over the years. Uh, Coach, I know it's been probably beyond a whirlwind this past week. Congrats. Um, good luck here wrapping up signing day into the transfer portal. I know you aren't directly involved with coaching in the bowl game, but um, I know it's a big time to celebrate those guys on your roster as they close out this season. And uh, Thank you very much for the time this morning. Hope to have you on here a couple more times before the start of next year. Thanks, guys, for having me, man. Merry Christmas. By the way, if you are just getting up and... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Getting set to go to work, I would imagine most people probably in by now, but uh, it is still pretty mild outside, and I think it's going to be over the course of this afternoon. It is this evening when things really turn ugly. The temperatures plummet, the wind kicks in. And it sounds then- like late afternoon early evening yeah, yeah i think basically around the time that it starts to get dark 
uh, today when the sun sets is when things are going to get ugly. And then as I understand it, basically tomorrow, don't plan on being out and about unless you have to be. And then Saturday, uh, the snow will cease before Saturday. And then by Saturday afternoon, the winds die down just a little bit. And Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve evening, like if you're going to family services, or I mean family get-togethers or church services, I, I think the roads will probably be a little slick, but they'll be manageable. But tomorrow, probably plan on chili and peanut butter sandwiches or cornbread. What do you eat with chili? Well, I was going to come over and get some Pop-Tarts. I, that Just walk down Central. SpaghettiOs, too. Yeah, you come on down. Come on over. Still picturing you out in the middle of the street that morning. You still haven't Venmoed me, by the way, for the gas <laughs> when I drove you to work. I made it easy for you, didn't I? Uh, but yeah, you were, boy, right in the middle of the street there. Um, I forgot about please that. Please slow down. Yeah, literally. Uh, Joel Erickson joins us now from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, any children in the car right now? No, no no children in the car at the moment. So we are set and ready to go, and if my conversations with you were accurate, we are heavy in the Lego world at the Erickson household this Christmas, correct? Yeah, yeah. Big, big heavy, heavy in the Lego world, and heavy on Spidey and his amazing friends. The, uh, I guess it's a Disney, I guess it's a Disney show that's on the channel, but we, we know it from Disney+. Plus. Well, let me tell you something. Once... Once the Legos become a part of the household, I simply know, not from personal experience, but not only from friends, but from athletes I've covered, be careful where you step. No, but that happened at home alone. They did Legos and ornaments and action figures, and the Um, bad guys stepped on them. Well, Austin Crozier got hurt one year, missed games for the Pacers because he stepped on on Legos. Really? Yeah. That would be probably the only thing we haven't seen yet with the Colts this year, right, Joel? Yeah. He missed games? Yes. Austin Crozier, when he was with the Pacers, missed two games once because he had stepped on he was barefoot and stepped on logos or Legos. My sorry. goodness, yeah, that is boy, that's quite the storyline. Again, Joel Erickson, Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Star. Joel, I know Nick uh, or Jeff Saturday did not say this yesterday about benching Matt Ryan and starting Nick Foles. Obviously, I think we all watch the games and see there's a velocity. Lack of velocity from Matt Ryan. I'm very curious if the shoulder injury has played into that. I also am curious in watching Nick Foles these final three games. Do we see an offense that is functioning better from like a pre-snap processing standpoint? I, I this might be too harsh on Matt Ryan, but I don't feel like we got like the Philip Rivers chess match type of I know where to go with the football before the ball is snapped. So many free rushers, the inability to take advantage of kind of hot reads and, and those things. I'm interested to see if a guy that's, you know, a 10, 11 year vet and Nick Foles can accomplish any of that for the Colts. Yeah, you're you're speaking my language right right now, Kevin, because I, I feel like as much as we've talked about the arm strength thing, the, the stuff that stood out to me more than anything is that I was kind of expecting that Rivers uh, just always in the right play, um, throwing the ball sometimes when a receiver is three steps into a 15-yard route and the ball just settles perfectly into his hands. I don't feel like we've seen that level of anticipation from Ryan. Um, and, and, you know, Phillip Rivers is, is you know, in a, from a, a brain standpoint, is one of the best to ever do it. But that's, that's what I thought the Colts were getting this year, and I haven't seen it either. With Foles, what's interesting to me is, you know, Jeff Saturday told told you yesterday that, you know, they didn't really plan on changing the offense. They didn't plan on, on making any big tweaks to it. I know that part of the reason that the Eagles were so successful when they had Foles is that Frank Reich basically took the offense 
and revamped it to fit him perfectly. And so if they're not doing that, if they're not tailoring all this stuff to Foles, um, I just wonder. I wonder if it's I – was, I was thinking through this yesterday, thinking through the press conference. I was like, are they, going, are they giving him the best chance to succeed here if they're just going to run the same stuff and uh, he hasn't practiced with the first teamers until now? And, uh, you know, it, it just feels like, like maybe he might be at a disadvantage. Joel, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the fact that Sam Ellinger was put in as the starter. Now, you know, Nick Foles. When I look at this, I see it as well. It's interesting because Sam Ellinger clearly had now has been relegated back to third string after just a two game tryout. Am I am I misreading it? Am I reading too hard into that? No, I mean, I mean, he's yeah. He. It's, I mean, obviously, it's, statistically, I realize that's the case, but like, in other words. Is this in any sort of an indictment on Ellinger, or is it simply a matter of you know what? Let's let's just see what happens with Foles. Well, it's 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 something of an indictment on Ellinger because he was given a chance and and didn't do it. But the thing is, like, it's an indictment on where Ellinger is now. And Ellinger himself told at the beginning of the season that he thought he was in the beginning of a two year process where he was going to learn and and change his throwing motion and do all this stuff to to sort of become the NFL quarterback uh, he was hoping to be. I mean. What, what that ceiling is, I don't know if it's more than a backup, but um, they they sped up the time you know they sped up the timetable on him uh, for what he thought he was headed into this season. So it's it, it is an indictment on him, but it's an indictment on him as a as a starting quarterback in the NFL right now, which the the entire off season they never expected him to be. I mean that's why Foles is here because when they brought him in. The, the idea was if Ryan got hurt in a perfect situation where they're competing for a playoff berth and something very different than the season that's unfolded, um, they wanted an experienced backup, and then they were just going to give Ellinger a chance to prove himself and develop. And then, you know, the way this season went and what Jim Irsay wanted and everything changed all that on Ellinger. So it is something of a, it is something of an indictment, but again, an indictment on him as a starting caliber NFL quarterback, which none of us expected him to be. Again, he's Joel A. Erickson for the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, I don't know if Nick Foles wants to be here next year. I, I'll preface it with that. I mean, he clearly has an extremely close relationship with Frank Reich. That was a big reason why he wanted to come here. I think it was enticing to him that he could be a backup to Matt Ryan for two years. Um, having said that, do you think in any way, shape, or form the Colts view these final three games with Nick Foles as a, hey, maybe he can be that veteran bridge guy to the next QB coming up in 2023 and your quarterback room this next fall could look like Foles, Ellinger, and a first-round pick at QB. I I think that, that makes logical sense just given the fact that he's under contract. Convincing Foles, um, you know, it, with, without having talked to him and knowing exactly where he sits on it, convincing Foles might be, I guess, the harder part of He's kind of been through this before where he's, he's a veteran who's, who's kind of keeping the seat warm for the first-round pick. Who knows if he wants to do that. He is under contract for that season. So, um, But in terms of not having to cut people, not having to incur dead money on the cap and then sign someone, because you assume that if they bring in a first-round quarterback, they're going to sign some sort of veteran um, at some point. Uh, the, the, the cheapest way on the salary cap, not that what Foles is making is a, is a big... Uh, hindrance to that but you know if if you're going to do that you, you you the easiest way to do it is just keep with one of the guys that you have you know a lot of it i think depends on what what Foles wants to do and 
and where he is after this season. He's he's kind of been uh, sort of jerked around by everything that's happened with the quarterback room. Maybe um, I don't know if I don't know if probably maybe more than anybody else, just because he, he was the only had two snaps before now. Joel A. Erickson is our guest. We're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Joel, with Kevin and I talked earlier about Grover Stewart getting snubbed from the Pro Bowl. For those that still care about the Pro Bowl, Quentin Nelson got in. Were you surprised by, uh, not just for Indianapolis, but I guess league-wide by, league by the Pro Bowl, any Pro Bowl announcements? Um, I, I don't know if anyone jumped out at me. I Kevin and I have kind of been talking about how uh, all season about how the Colts defensive tackles both probably deserve it, and we're we're facing a tough uh, road given who else is in the uh, given who else is in the in the conference. Plus, any any time a team loses, you just don't get a lot of Pro Bowlers. Right. It's a so, it's a great conference for defensive tackles. Yeah, unbelievable. And you you have some guys sort of coming into their own. I think Quinn Williams has like eleven sacks this year. Um, the, some some of the big counting numbers. Just an unbelievable defensive tackle. Uh, and pass rushing defensive tackle, which is what what gets you in the Pro Bowl. That's, that was the other thing with Stewart. I think Grover Stewart has had absolutely a Pro Bowl season. I know players on other teams have told him that. I, I know after the second Tennessee game um, in the locker room, the Colts were talking about how Derrick Henry like singled out Stewart and went to him and said, "Man, people got to like start talking about you." But it's just the way the way they have it set up, where only three defensive tackles make it. It's it's always going to be tough for a nose tackle. He's got four sacks, but you know some of these guys have a much bigger pass rush number. I was talking to Zaire Franklin yesterday in the locker room about um, you know Pro Bowl in general, and I thought Zaire made a really good point of like oftentimes the Pro Bowl voting, the NFL's a year behind. Like it, yeah. it, it almost takes a year of the hype. And then you start to get a little bit more name recognition. Honestly, we probably saw that with Kenny Moore. Hell, we saw that with yeah. Darius Leonard. I mean, remember Leonard didn't make it his rookie year. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it does tend to follow it, and then and then if you're an offensive lineman, you get to stay in there probably a year or two too long. Um, when when it starts to go a little bit on you, so um, that that's probably right. I think I think that year's got a good look at it. I think the other thing about the Pro Bowl is I think most fans are kind of like ah, the Pro Bowl. Who cares? The players care. Oh, the they players, care. Look the at the Washington video last night on social media. Yeah, it, it matters to the players to be recognized. They, they, they. When they're playing well, they they want people to to, to recognize that they're playing well. And you know, for a guy like Grover Stewart, um, it, it's just he's he's. You think about where his career started from Albany State and rotational his first couple of years and and what he's built himself into. That would be sort of like a crowning achievement for him and, and not getting it, that's, that's tough. A man that will utter the phrase, time to clean up the Legos a lot here in the next few weeks. He is Joel A. Erickson. Did from you know uh, Lego plural is Lego? I, I, I just learned that. I also said Legos. Apparently plural for Lego is Lego. <laughs> Educate me. I, I, I want to be mad at Jake there, but I guess I'm more mad at whoever came up with that. Yeah, that's there. You go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I can't even be mad at Jake. I'm with. You, I'm with. Let's just this show. We will be the outliers and Thank just you. go with Legos. Right. I, I Our agree. dictionary says Legos. Correct. That's right. Yeah. There's, go ahead. There's five thousand pieces. Calling it Lego feels weird. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> and as a father of three, Joel Erickson, you deserve uh, to have that authority. Um, I listen to Jeff Saturday in these press conferences, and I'm a bit torn on some of his comments. Um, 
he throws in the caveat quite often, I think, of, hey, I was hired here because things were really, really bad. And what was I going to be able to do to change things? Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, but he said that in some way, shape, or form. And in one way, I'm like, well, I mean, look at what Steve Wilkes is doing in Carolina. I mean, Carolina's got three games to go, and if they went out, they're in the playoffs. That's part of it. The other part of it is like, I don't necessarily disagree with Jeff Saturday. I do think he was thrown into an awful situation. And the more I hear him say those comments, and the more the Colts continue to have the results that they've had recently, I'm thinking, well, are those comments more of an indictment on Chris Ballard and the roster he's assembled? I I think it's hard to hard to know what what Saturday Saturday means when he says that. I think I think both things are probably true. I I think um, even before even before Saturday was here, I thought some of the losses were more of an indictment on the on the roster Chris Ballard assembled um, than it was necessarily on the coaching because I just didn't know um, what game plan or what you could do when you were dealing with uh, the offensive line playing the way it was early in the season and the way it honestly it's I feel like they're still playing. If they're playing better, they're playing a little bit better. There were a lot of pass rush plays on Saturday in the uh, in the Vikings game that that where the offensive line kind of capitulated and Ryan has under pressure. So um, I do think that that's part of it. And then the other thing is it, not just not just with with Steve Wilkes, but also you know Ursay said he made the move because he saw a downward trend and he was trying to stop it. And right now they're one and four since. Since they made the move, they were three five and one before that. They were three three and one before um, people started uh, telling people who to play at quarterback. And to me, you didn't stop the fall at all by making the move. So uh, I think both things are true, KB. I think I think you're, it's probably some some level of both things. Is yeah, an interim coach can can turn around in a situation that looks. Bad. I mean, Carolina Carolina somehow getting back into it. If you look at just what they have at quarterback, forget the rest of the roster. Right. If you look at what they have at quarterback. That's a pretty good job by Steve Wilkes and shows that it's possible as an interim coach to come in and turn around a bad situation. I mean, I would take I, I would take the Colts quarterback room over Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. I was going to say PJ Walker, man. Joel, how far off are the Colts? <sighs> it, it feels pretty far. I mean, the quarterback the quarterback is is significant. I mean, if you get, it feels like the offensive line needs an overhaul uh, of some sort. You know, maybe if maybe if you get Ryman uh, developed in the off season and he becomes a, a starter, then you're a little closer on the offensive line. But you also know that going into this off season, there's going to be people who are taken away from the roster that we probably think of as good players, just because that's what happens when a team sort of resets itself and. This is a team that isn't just they're, – they're not just – they don't just have four wins. Their point differential now is terrible. Um, and that's something that Chris Ballard's always pointed to as a sign of as a sign of what a team is. You know, point differential is a simple way to look at it. Their point differential is terrible now. Um, and, and it feels like it, they need to significantly fix it. But it also just feels like until there's a quarterback, who knows? They might be spinning their wheels for a long, long you know, time. Joel, I keep going back to this in the back of my mind. Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback arguably ever to play the game. And it took him 22 games to finally win in back-to-back weeks. I realized with Andrew Luck that wasn't the case. I mean, Andrew Luck, you were off and running. They were just – 
that was a pretty phenomenal thing that happened with Andrew Luck. But um, they're going to have, theoretically, a rookie quarterback next year or a new quarterback next year. And it took Peyton Manning 22 games. It took Andrew Luck. You know, they had success right away, but then there was, you know, instability and they couldn't keep him healthy and all around. This is not an easy thing to do, man. And, you know, Tua didn't even make the Pro Bowl in the AFC. It's really hard for me to look at it, and I don't think that they're terrible. I don't. And it's more about the AFC than just the Colts themselves. But talk me off the ledge here. Uh, well, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow is another good example. It took Burrow a full year. I mean, I know he was hurt, but they weren't really they weren't winning games uh, a lot his his rookie season. And, and I think now, you know, Joe Burrow looks like he's he's right up there as as one of the top five guys uh, going forward. So it, it does it does take some time. And the other thing is, if they they're going to bring in this rookie quarterback, whoever they bring in, you have to be able to support him because. I think we've all seen highly drafted quarterbacks, people who came out looking pretty good, uh, and then their careers essentially torpedoed by what's around them. And so, at the very least, somehow they have to figure out a way to fix the offensive line and get the offense back to uh, something where the quarterback, what it was supposed to be going into the season, where the quarterback was being supported by the offense instead of trying to lift it. They they have to do that with a rookie quarterback because otherwise you start getting into a cycle of he's not playing well because he's not surrounded by uh, – impartially because of his youth and partially because of you know, what he's surrounded by. Uh, that leads to negative answers. That leads to criticism. And the next thing you know, a guy is gone after three years. So they've got to find a way to support – if they're going to draft a quarterback, which I think we all expect them to – They've got to find a way to support him, and it becomes if you believe a guy's a guy, you got to do whatever you can to make sure he has every chance to prove you right on that. Joel, last one, and thank you for the time on this Thursday morning. Um, on the care meter, this probably falls on the why the hell would I care about that? Um, but there were a couple roster moves the Colts have made in the past week that made me go, hmm, that's kind of interesting. They cut Curtis Brooks off their practice squad. Six-round pick out of Cincinnati. We had Luke Fickle on during the offseason. Luke Fickle called them the MVP of their defense, a defense that had Sauce Gardner, Defensive Rookie of the Year, on it. Um, And again, he was just on the practice squad for the Colts. Uh, And then they also cut, after Sunday's game earlier this week, Afadio Deniobo, who's been, I would say, easily their most effective edge rotational rusher. Um... Any thoughts or any background you have on either of those two moves? Uh, no, and I did try. I did try uh, to go kind of outside, you know, fi- find out from outside the organization what was what was going on there. But uh, puzzling to me too. I mean, Odenigbo has been very good. I mean, he's played twenty four percent of the snaps and had three and a half sacks and and six quarterback hits, and, and he's been a pretty consistent guy. He just blocked the punt too. Um, so you, you, I don't I don't know exactly what happened there, but it feels like it feels like it had to be something more than performance. And I know I know that sometimes players sort of ask for um, a chance to go somewhere else. But you don't I don't know if you see that this late in the season, um, just not knowing if you're going to get picked up. So very very strange in terms of. And then with Brooks, I would have thought you'd keep him just as a. I mean, they kept other developmental players. 
a lot longer. Like Chris Williams is a good example of a guy who's been on the practice squad and bounced around for a while. It's very yeah. rare to see them bail on a draft pick before the end of year one. Yeah. So, yeah, we that was one of the things that we sort of, like I know I and, and I think you too probably meant to get to yesterday with Saturday. And then he, you know, they, they, they changed the starting quarterback again. And so the press conference is all about that. So maybe maybe on Friday we can get a chance to ask about some of that stuff. Again, he is Joel A. Erickson. He's been a busy man at the Lego store, and we are sticking with Legos plural in terms of it's time to That's clean right. up your Legos moving forward. Joel, I'm sure it'll be a bundle of fun for you here over the weekend. Enjoy the time with the boys, and uh, as always, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is your favorite Christmas song, Jake? This song, um, y- yes and no. I, I, I can't be alone in this. As we've talked about over the course of the, the week in different periods, you know, to me, Christmas is very nostalgic. I mean, obviously, and even more so nostalgic for periods before I was even around. Like when you see, you know, videos or movies depicting what Christmas was like in the 30s and the 40s and, you know, like a Christmas story, that kind of thing. Um, but the magic of Christmas from my childhood like Kevin, you were talking about with, you know, your daughter getting into that now of counting down the days and, you know, the little piece of candy in the doorway uh, on the wall, like, you know, how many days till Santa comes, etc. Like, there are very few things that all of a sudden awaken all of that in me, like hearing that song, because it so reminds me of, as a kid, watching the Charlie Brown special knowing that christmas was that that it was here you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so it's very melancholic for me to hear it to be honest with you and i maybe that makes me unique i'd be curious if anybody else uh, especially like of my age back when you know when i was a kid and this is still i i think they're all still available but when i was a kid the the charlie brown christmas and then the like claymate or not claymation but the little you know the one of the Abominable Snowman and Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman, all those TV specials that would be on. First, you got like the CBS thing, dun, 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 like special, and you're like, oh, wow, like something different on TV tonight for kids. And they were always sponsored by Dolly Madison. That's the thing I always remember. But I can't be the only one that when I think of that, it instantly takes me back to childhood. I picture myself singing and sounding like that, but but I don't think I do. Like just depressed, or you? <laughs> no, just a nice voice like that. I just oh. think it's a nice, quiet voice. <clears throat> That's not how I sing. Did you ever ice skate? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, not to the level of like I'm going to the Carmel ice skating like a the, whole lot. But the kid, like, did you ever go like the kids in the Charlie Brown when they're singing that song, like on a pond and ice skate? Like, no, nah, I can't say I did that. Much Mark? more team sledding. Yeah. I'm more of a Michelle Kwan. I do the triple <laughs> yeah, lutzes exactly. and all that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I Ice skating is something that I have never been able to do at all. Sledding, did you ever have a toboggan? Or did you go with the round circular sled? Yeah, saucer. 
Yeah, the saucer, saucer action. Great yes. ability to spin on that thing. Yeah. And boy, oh, yeah. you get some really strong air air on You get that. the disc or even the tubes. The tubes get get going these days too. We'd sneak onto the private golf course and there's a giant hill on like the seventeenth hole. You guys heard me say it before. Forest Park, ninth hole up there in Noblesville, man. Sled there, fourteenth hole at Brookshire as well. We would go a lot, um, like in college. In college, I remember, you know, when I was at IU, that we had a couple of times where we got a lot of snow, and of course, nobody in college had like a saucer with them, and it wasn't like we were going to go to Walmart and buy one. We would use just tear boxes and use the cardboard. Yeah, yeah. Let's go get the liquor boxes yeah. from the store, and we'll <laughs> yeah. just go down the hill. That Jake would fit right in with the World, Little League World Series with the cardboard yeah. sliding in the outfit. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like one, that one-stop shopping, right? Now, I did. Um, I got you guys a couple presents and. I want you to judge my wrapping if you don't mind, because you know we talked about it earlier well, I feel in the week. Bad now we didn't. Mark, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> I forgot it's the last day. Yeah, of, I totally forgot. You know, wrapping is not my my strong suit. So, just a second, let me grab them. Kevin, Kevin is bearing gifts. Yeah, this it's the only Christmas tradition really represented by this show because clearly we don't have three wise men, right? <laughs> no, we only have two. And I don't know if our, our he really did wrap. Yeah, I, I got some myrrh and some frankincense here. Wow, he really did wrap yeah. here. I, wait, wait, that, that looks better than anything I now, I will sit now. The, Jake, can you describe the wrapping paper? I feel okay. like it's pretty good wrapping. Show it, it on the YouTube. Good wrapping paper. This it has a station wagon on it with kind of an old school wagon with the gifts and the tree on top. Maybe flash it on the YouTube stream. The wrapping. The wrapping is good. Uh, did you wrap it? Uh, I, I did. The one um, thing here's the thing about the wrapping that I like. Uh huh. What you got me here, whatever it is, is a square. Okay. Um, well, you, I hope the the square that that this would be like Iowa, but you use the paper for Texas, right? Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, that's a good visual for our audience out there to judge it from a geographic standpoint. But um, yeah. Ah, oh, look at this, buddy. Look at this. Hell yeah. You like that? That is sweet, baby. Old school, hold tiger, Clemson sweatshirt. This is nice, man. Like super nice. Am I good on the size? Let me see here. Yeah, XL. Yeah, you are. Good? I used to be a large, but I've put on some weight. I figure you could rock that for the Orange Bowl. Hell yeah. This is going right in the man cave, Kevin. Thank you very much. Now, this one was a little bit cheesier, Mark. I must admit. You know, it's kind of a... It, the bottle opener and the picture Dick of Buckus. Buckus, Walter Payton, and Duck Coach, and it's a bottle opener. That's awesome. Nice. That's so cool. I, you know, I mentioned I was over at Circle Center, you know, wrapping up some some shopping. I went into one of those memorabilia stores, and I saw that for Mark, and I'm thinking, you know what? Old school Bears picture. Love it. Go with the bottle opener. This is sweet, man. They do. They do. Bears usually tend for me to drink. So yeah, I, it's I figured one, it was uh, you know, one and the same. Two birds with one stone. Yeah situation Very there now will ashley be content with that if that goes oh, yeah. up on the wall oh yeah okay well i was i was a little nervous about that worst That's case she'll send it to the, the man cave in the garage so which is fine mark were you good at the wrapping very good yes you did a great okay. job it's very nice quality. Actually, this is this is good paper. Quality. Yeah, you know my efficiency wrapping with paper. the wrapping paper is what I struggle with. The paper's solid. To Jake's point, yeah, the, Looks like you only use three pieces of tape or so, which is usually oh, what dude, they say. I, the landmass of Texas for a Iowa-sized present was a really good way to describe it. There, <laughs> that's yeah. But I, I'm the same way, man. Like, I, so, now, do you ever do in the wrapping? Where I'm you, usually team bag, to be fair. But we don't have many bags. 
do you ever come up short like you're you 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 put the bat the gift down and you're cutting it and then you're like oh wait a minute I didn't cut a big enough yeah piece. so we now got you got to go with the random strip to put it on top and yeah so we got Rosie like a little um like plastic microphone to act like she's singing into oh yeah and so I wrap that and I mean just there's nothing on the side so I think I took some scraps from either yours or Mark and I'm like taping those together. I mean, it looks like the worst geometry project in the history of geometry projects. I was actually hoping that your YouTube stream wants to see it. There you go. After algebra well, you don't have that a you on your YouTube stream? Well, that it, is pretty it, sweet. It tanks the stream quality. So there you go. Oh, there's Dicka. Okay. Yeah. That right is So you got Dicka, Buckus and uh, is there was there one more on the side or is it Peyton? Peyton. Peyton? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, the the rosy present that I wrapped just pure geometry project. I mean, it looks just heinous. <laughs> but I mean, she's two and a half. She's not going to care. Yeah, you don't know that, right? Rip it apart. Uh, by the way, Ryan said it best. Jake, you're correct. That song takes me back to the feel of the carpet in our living room waiting for Christmas. That's a good way to say. It. Yeah, Greg uh, sent me a note. My wife plays the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack while we decorate the tree every year. That music is Christmas to her. It does have a feel of like, at least for me, I'm at grandma's house and yeah, socks are off, my feet's on the carpet, yeah, all all that. David, man, there was a pressure for your parents to make sure you were home the one night of the year that Rudolph the Charlie Brown Christmas or my favorite, Year Without a Santa Claus was on. There was no DVR, no VCR tapes, no YouTube. That was pressure. That's true, man. I mean, those were special times for certain. I do like Christmas. Now, was there a particular tradition when you were a kid that Santa Claus brought in your stocking? Uh, stocking, we usually wore like a popular Reese's, Reese's Christmas tree. I would say the popular tradition for us probably started, so the Friday after Thanksgiving, my mom would give us a new ornament each year, uh-huh. and my brother subscribed to the um, NBA ornaments. I was the NFL ornaments. Okay. So we got a new player each and every year. I was also baseball as well with the NFL. So at one point we had a section on the tree for all the steroid users. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We had Giambi. We had Bonds. Needless to say, that's where the needles were in the tree, right? Very, very well put. Yeah. Um, so that I think is like kind of a not necessarily Christmas, but obviously, uh, you know, from a decorating tree standpoint, that was a post-Thanksgiving tradition that I always was like, okay, I can't wait to see who the new player is, and this kind of starts the Christmas season for us. The um, There were little metal tins of, like, orange and lemon-flavored candies, I forget what they were called, but that was always in the stocking, and then we would always get pajamas on Christmas Eve. There were always three packages. That, annually? That, annually. Wow. And then in adulthood, it was like basketball shorts or, you know, sweatpants or something like that. Still to this day, actually. Um, and then, as I mentioned, anytime that you get the unmentionables, which is boxer shorts or socks, uh, those are from the family pet. Yeah, you didn't mention that. <laughs> they go to the pet store. I like that. And they shop. We always yep. got some scratch-offs in the... Yeah, yeah, I could see that. In the stocking as well. I'm always thankful that I'm usually behind the guy in line that is trading in all of the scratch-offs to see what exactly, and he's got 140 of them, while I'm just trying to buy a Coke. That that happens to me typically annually. Can't, can't you just scan them nowadays? You know, isn't I know. Oh, you got the people. If the guy in front of you in line breaks out the little sleeve with the tickets in it, it's like, oh, boy, <laughs> grab a book. Yeah, can we open the next register? Yeah. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.